0: So, you hear million dollar anything and you're immediately thinking money, but today it was so much more about the heart and the head than it was about the pocketbook or the bank account, though that part comes in play too. Today's guest, Justin Conacao, is no stranger to wealth, but not just the wealth that you might be thinking of, the wealth of the Marriage, the wealth of the peace, the wealth of the play, and parenthood. There's so many pieces to our stories that align. I've energetically just been so connected to him through social audio over the course of this year. But he is a media mogul, a marketing guru, and a real estate expert that I follow closely. We've connected through sports. We've connected through. Uh, parenthood. We've connected through our marital, like relational experiences and so much more. So you're going to love this podcast. Get your pen and paper out because there were some nuggets that even I was like, wait, 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 you're going so fast. This is so good. Justin is such a gift and I know he is going to bless your life. So just follow him on social media, even if you don't get to the end of this podcast, which of course I want you to, but you have to stay tuned to what he's got going on. It's going to challenge you in so many different ways and how you're showing up from a business perspective, but also as a spouse and a parent like we were talking about. So show up, show up for the show and even show up and subscribe to the Fit and Faith podcast. That would mean the world to me and leave a review. You can tag us and do it on your social media and I'll tag you back on mine or you can do it for the show. I am in the running to try and get 200 reviews. So could you review the podcast? That would mean The world to me. Take two extra minutes. It'll be like my Christmas gift, my early Christmas gift. Love you. Thanks. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. FIT is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress. And this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Hey hey hey! I am so excited to introduce you to my friend Justin Conical, who is an expert in real estate, media, and marketing. He also loves Jesus, and he's taught me a lot through Breakfast with Champions, um, but also just through his digital presence. And so we're going to unpack that for you guys today. Justin, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. I love seeing that intro reel. It's Tony Parker, a bunch of other amazing humans, and yeah, it's. It's funny how we've got to know each other so well and we've never met yet. So I can imagine what that's going to be like.
0: I agree. It's really cool to see how social media has been an agent for like the expansion of what I truly believe like kingdom culture is intended Mm -hmm. to do. It's like creating family, but it's done through social audio is what where we've got connected. Um, But I think that there is another component of knowing that they're like truly really good humans doing what they're gifted and talented doesn't have to be the exact same thing but that they're putting in the work and the effort and the energy into the atmosphere every single day because you're no different than me that i know or i am anti-hustle culture but i am constantly moving (laughs) i'm not i am constantly on the move and i know you are too
1: it's an interesting dichotomy right because you say that so that the people watching understand that it isn't necessarily just about the race right and working and working and working until there's no quality of life left. But at the same time, like you have a burning desire in you that your work is your ministry. I know nothing about fashion. I know nothing about a lot of the things that you're passionate about, but what's really cool about social audio or the world coming together on platforms like it is now, those relationships transcend those platforms. Like when you were running the Grow for God conference I was sitting in my basement, my, actually working away. And my daughter was with me and we were trying to break the system. And I remember coordinating with Glenn and Sarah and sending some feedback and just saying, hey, love this, love this. You know, the, the stream quality is fantastic. This is what I'm seeing on the back channel. And it's almost like I was there, even though I was worlds away. So yeah, yeah, I love how yeah. the, I love how the world brings us together.
0: Me too. And I think that there's... Because of the technology aspect, we're able to do that more and more. I mean, it's so different than Mm -hmm. podcasting and be able to reach all of these different countries. It's one of my favorite things to see the back channel of the syndication. You have a podcast as well. And seeing like the different countries, you're like, gosh, who do I know there? I want to actually go there and meet that person and hear their feedback. And um, I was at a mastermind recently, and we were talking about like our big dreams, our big visions. And I was joking around about getting a PJ. Which is private jet, and True. they were like, "Wait, what? Like that's in your vision?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it actually is." And they're like, "Well, that's kinda, that sounds a little bougie, right? Like we just had Grant Cardone at that experience at Grow for God too. Sounds a little crazy that somebody would take a private jet." And then I I scaled it back and I said, "Yeah, but let's talk through why. It's not about having my name plastered on a sp- specific." thing floating in the sky. It's the knowing that I can actually create mission opportunities for teams and people that I know can steward that space and go different countries and actually do what God's called us to do, which is the great commission to the places that have never heard about Jesus in the way. And sometimes that's right here in our backyard. Um, And so I love that it transcends the understanding that it's not about the millions. It's about the, the one individual, and we were talking about this offline is that you could be in a room with one, or you can be in a room with millions, but why not be with millions? If you have an opportunity to be with millions.
1: Yeah. And it's, I think the people that are thoughtful about having that conversation to me are some of the people I respect the most because they're aware of you know, perception and making sure that they're honoring and explaining what they're doing or why they're doing it versus the people that are just chasing the things because they think the things are going to give them the approval of the people. And once I get the approval of the people, then I'll grow and I'll be, you know, impacting millions, but I, I have to get the jet to showcase my success. Well, it's, you know, if you're getting the jet as a means to an end, that's a separate conversation. And the gentleman we spoke about earlier, his name is Reinhard Bonnke. And when I read his biography, you know, he was on the streets of Africa preaching to two, three people at a time and did that for years and years and years and had a vision to save millions. And he got there, but it was by a having the vision But then showing up and doing the work and there's such a dichotomy between those two uh, people that just want the vision for the vision and don't want to put in the work, right?
0: Yeah. And then, you know, from a marketing perspective and being a media expert, there was an entire season where like showcasing yourself or taking that like briefcase leaning up against the Maserati or the Lamborghini, right? was like popular and people were actually converting leads that way because it was like that wool over their eyes of like, this is actually what you want. But if we could change that conversation for people and understand that there is like that heart driven leadership, that servant driven leadership is actually the thing you want. But the freedom that comes along with it, the prosperity and the wealth that comes along with it because of time and quality of life and connection, honestly, it changes everything um, from a place of going to sleep in peace and not that void, which I have experienced in the both of uh, success driven realm of perfectionism, of achievement versus success in just having a component of, of quality of life.
1: Yeah. And I think the word success can be defined many, many different ways, right? Totally. Talking about getting the things and saying, once I get this, then I'm deemed successful. Well, that's what is your quality of life? What are the people around you saying about you when you're not actually in the room? And a lot of that does have to do with your actions right and i had a conversation with somebody this morning that called me and we were talking about their ambitions and i was like okay but here's your ambitions what are your daily actions and we walked through some of the actions and i'm like okay do those actions map to those ambitions and they didn't so we created a few little simple cues and i'm like stop overthinking it do this every single day just build one little standard operating procedure for your business every single day message me in a week and i'll do a quick 5 minute loom video give you some feedback and then we'll, we'll go through there and in a week you may show me that your actions don't actually track your ambitions and that's okay. Maybe your ambitions will change. My ambitions change, right? My ambitions getting into the real estate space have changed dramatically. I'm, I'm not really a real estate agent. I kind of just play one on TV, right? I own a real estate company, but I'm not recruiting agents. We turned away over 25 agents in the last year and a half, which is very confusing to people, right? I'm building the Nike, the Apple, the Starbucks, company of real estate, not a brokerage. It's a very different thing. But that took me close to a decade of working it out. My wife is my partner. She's the CEO at Prime. We talk about everything. I fight her tooth and nail. She's been right on some incredible things, balanced perspective, but we don't actually own our company. God's the steward of it. So knowing that and knowing that our ministry and our impact is is here for a flicker of light what can I do in the time that I am here? And what urgency do I have to impact people through my work? Um, but you have to look in the mirror and change your ambitions because they are going to change. I promise you that.
0: I love that. And my husband and I are, are just newly pivoting it into like serving each other in the same mission driven. Like we have our family, of course, and there's a, a ambition towards our family and a mission towards the home that we steward, but he's an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. We've always done our separate things, but he's one of my greatest mentors. Um, as well and so it's just been in the last couple of months actually and Grow for God was one of like the final pieces where we realized like this is really like a together thing even though it's not just in our heart it's actually like hand in hand Um, and so I think that that's really powerful and I think that God needs more marriages who are actually standing in their ministries together versus these separate entities because it truly shows the covenant love and it's a representation of that symmetry of, of female entities masculine energy Mm -hmm. right like all coming into the synchronicity of of being empathetic but also being energetic like everything is there and then aligned um and i think that's really rad and something that isn't done a lot
1: to become one right and that's a real thing like if you think about the fact of two separate humans and they become one and you actually think about that it does change everything it takes work right one of my mentors taught me very early on this is a simple rule he taught me in this business and he's Top broker in Manhattan. You met him. He came on the podcast. Phenomenal guy. And he's like, listen, I can teach you how to build teams. I can show you my splits. I can tell you to get new developments. He's like, I'm going to teach you one thing. He's like, you go do that for a year. and Come back. Tell me about when. He's like, your wife gets the golden hammer to ixnay any meetings after six o'clock any day of the week. That's lesson number one. You check in with her once a week. Show her your calendar. If she needs you, she needs you. She, she's got that authority. He's like, she probably won't use it 80% of the time because you're growing a business and that's just what it is. Then a daily check-in with her. So before I actually come to the office, she's typically the first person I talk to before I delegate and start talking to the team and everything else. 15 minutes. What do you got going on today? What's going on, on my side of things? Cohesive vision. What are we working on for the company? What's a priority today? What's not? Sometimes I'll say, hey, we got seven major launches and projects right now. I, I just, I need to kind of run the ship today. Cool. She can focus on her stuff. Sometimes she's like, administratively, we got to button down this, 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 this. You know, it's my turn, right? So like, we'll actually converse that. And then once a week, we actually spend time together as a couple. How are we doing? It's, it's literally in our calendar as a weekly reminder of check-in. How are we doing is what it says in our calendar. And we joked in the beginning because it felt really weird where I was like, hey, how are you doing? And we'd start laughing, but we'd be like, <laughs> genuinely, how are we doing? Like, How's yeah. our relationship? Um, how's our parenting with Faith? How are the company, stress points for you? Anything you need support with? And I've shared with her, I'm like, stress points with me. Like, I got the world on my shoulder. I feel like I can't breathe. And just saying that to her made me feel better, but then also made her understand the position that I was in and that maybe certain things didn't have to get done around the house. Right then, it could wait a week, right? But communication, absolutely key. Last point I'm going to make, because I could talk about this for an hour. (laughs) Imagine the power that you and your husband are going to have that you are two people in one body, right? And going out in your strengths and being able to be playful with those and and understand your weaknesses and understand his and, and be there to support each other. I mean, there's nothing like it if it's done correctly.
0: Yeah, I, I 1000% agree. And I think it was when we got to that place of that equal yoke and understanding the strengths and weaknesses and how they actually mirrored one another and we needed each other. And then having God in the center of that, because it wasn't always the case for us. Um, yeah. And so operating in two separate entities and then trying to come back together for that how are you was really hard because mm-hmm. 90% of the week, we there was that not that conversation. The only thing that was really the connecting point was that we lived in the same house, we slept <laughs> in the same bed, and we had kids together.
1: <laughs> and that was
0: really it, right? Yeah. And so I've just found so much joy in, in operating in this other realm where even if he's not in the same room with me, like he's here. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that piece. And I think one of the things that has brought us together and is a symmetry in our connection, Justin, is uh jujitsu, which is a really weird pivot. You're like, how does that have anything to do? I do not do jujitsu, but we were practicing the other day on the couch. That sounds bad, but great. <laughs> no, I, get it. I know
1: I know <laughs> what it's like. My daughter has this like life-size stuffed bunny that yes. constantly gets jujitsu <laughs> so. roll, yeah, yeah.
0: they're all rolling exactly the same. So it's so much fun. But I was actually such a hindrance in that initially because I couldn't conceptualize. I didn't want my kids like fighting, especially my daughter. Right. And I, I just didn't think that it was the right way from a parenting strategy that I wanted to instill in my children. And now four years in, it has completely shifted, not only the dynamic of our home, but also the um, engagement from our son, our mm-hmm. daughter. It's been so Confidence, incredible. I bet. I bet oh, you they're just gosh. like,
1: you can see, I wish it was a requirement in schools because it would get rid of 90% of bullying. I promise you. Yeah, It is not a violent art. It can be like anything else. Football can be incredibly violent. So hockey or anything else, if you're going in there with intent, but the people that actually stick to it, right? So getting your blue belt is a huge achievement for a lot of people. I would say 80% of people quit after blue belt. If you can make it to purple, you're probably going to get to black as long as you don't have health complications and whatnot too. The personality shift and the, the people that you meet there, I've met, I've met, like high-end tech officers, cops, people that are just absolute beasts trained with MMA fighters. And I've also met lawyers, doctors, like insanely high intellectuals that can all come together. And there's just this baseline that we are all the same. We're all human beings. There's no egos. I don't care what you drive. I don't care where you came from. It is really a collective scope of humanity and probably one of the most fascinating places to go to develop character.
0: Yeah. And and the more that I'm in the environment, especially when it comes to the competition, because we just started in the competition realm and seeing all the different walks of life come together, we live in a very uh, dynamic Navy SEAL population. Sure. And so they don't ever raise their hand and say, I'm a SEAL. Like they're not even allowed to stand up in church when they honor veterans. Or people who were in the service at that time, and so, but you know, like there's just they have this air about you them, can right? tell, and yeah. you just know, and I love that. I think it's incredible. Um, But they're they're at the gym that we practice in, and to see that like they're they're trying to steward that in their children just as sure. much as we are, and that symmetry and like vision of this is actually a chess match, right? And that's what my husband and I talk through all the time, it's actually teaching uh, and conceptualizing what's the 10 moves after this move that are gonna bring me to the win. And if we talk about that from the conversation of ambition, which is where I kind of pivoted from, is is this understanding of the same exact thing? Yes, you're going to do the same thing every day. Yes, we're going to practice the exact same methodology when you go to roll today that you did yesterday and the day before and the day before. But when it becomes habitual, when it becomes the unlock, then we'll, in, we'll instill and introduce the next thing. And that ambition picture grows, like you were saying. And so I think it's been really interesting to watch the evolution of it. And I think from a breathing methodology, from that planning methodology, it's going to go into entrepreneurship, which we're both super passionate about.
1: Everything I do, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, I compare it to jujitsu, right? Nothing drives me crazier than when people want to get into the real estate industry because it's such a hot button topic right now. It's living the age of the celebrity agent, which kind of bothers me a little bit. And you'll see a shift in my content where I kind of put that on blast, right? The same fake you know, images people were putting on Instagram five years ago, it's happening every day in real estate. Every agent's got a course who doesn't actually do any production. And a lot of them are running the courses in the videos because they want to get out of production. They just want you in their downline and they want to make reoccurring revenue. I could talk about this for hours, but <laughs> it's true. I talk about practitioners, right? Like I talk about the people that come here and I break down very simply. I'm like, black belts are good at the basics. They're not doing flying arm bars. They're not going to the competition because they want to be seen. They're good at finding people that want to work with them, following up with them and delivering on the promises that they made and being an absolute expert at knowing their market. That's it. That's your only job is to find people that want to work with you and then execute on what they need. It's a buy or it's a sell. Once they close, it's taking care of those people as actual human beings and your past clients. You will do well. You'll make a lot of money in this business, but you'll have an impact in those people's lives. Where people go wrong in my business is, they're so worried about the next reel they have to put out. They don't know what homes are selling for in the area that they're, they're listing a property or they haven't talked to a seller that they have a property listed for and vocalized this is what I'm going to do to sell your house. How many agents do you know that list somebody's house and just never call the seller after they get the listing signed? A week before the listing comes up, they call them, hey, I got leads, let's renew. And then they disappear again. Like that's our industry.
0: Right, right.
1: Same thing. So if you show up and you're overthinking everything in the beginning, which is very typical of all business and all entrepreneurship, there's a lot coming at you, so many things. But if you can break down, and Amanda Dahl said this very well once, she said, you know, getting into business is like opening up a retail store. You need to find a location, probably need to know what that store looks like, probably need to know what to stock it with, probably need to know what it looks like when a client comes in and what that engagement looks like and how you're going to pack up their, their product and send it back to them. Service industry or not, if you understand that when I walk into a jujitsu gym, I need to realize how to communicate with the people that are around me. And then, yeah, I I need somebody to teach me a couple of basic moves and then work on those moves every single day for six months until they just become part of my arsenal and I don't have to think about them. Then you can really step back and see the bigger picture, which is what you guys are seeing because they're probably not even thinking about, I remember when I got my first triangle on somebody. And I was like, I didn't even really think about it. It just happened, and I'm like, did I just do that? And I was like, like it almost seemed magical. But I was like, you know, work, entrepreneurship, and jujitsu is art and math because you also talked about how you need to know how to do, you know, the next ten moves. You do for sure. You need to understand the sequences of what may happen, but you also have to be in a flow state where. If you get somebody that's completely wild and trained with Eddie Bravo, who has a very unconventional system, he's not going to do the 10 moves. So you get into this flow state in business and jujitsu, and I'll compare, I'll just keep going back and forth between the two, where you're really good at the job and you're an expert at what you do, but you also have that art and that flow in what you're doing, where you can adapt to what the consumer wants in your business, because the consumer may not actually want what you think they want. And if you can do that, then you're on a completely different planet than your competitors.
0: Well, and I think that there's a huge conversation in that. Like, right, you come into the gym and you're reading the room. Who's my competitor today? What are they doing? Where where have they trained? What is their backstory? What is their, you know, limiting belief before they get on the mat? All these things. And I'm watching this unfold through the lens of an eight-year-old. <laughs> and I never compared it to business before until this conversation. But I understand the applicability when it comes to his, like, um, His confidence is definitely a huge part of that. But additionally, the uh, energy that's put in on a consistent basis, all of those other places are pieces for sure. I think the part that I think is really intriguing is you could have your niche. Like you could know that the arm bar is what you're gonna throw every single time. My my yeah. son does this pressure move where he literally is just like putting his chin into this person's chest. They tap out from it. Like he's like squeezing, his whole body is shaking. Sure. I've never seen anybody do it before until I was at the mat, like slamming the mat, like, go, 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 and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> but it's is this read on what the expectations are and also what is being brought to the conversation. So a lot of times, and I'm super curious from your perspective, when it comes to real estate, when it comes to media, when it comes to marketing, has that been an evolution of ahas based on conversations, based on experiences that you've had to say, they actually don't even need this. They need this work. They need the mindset. They need the marketing. They need these pieces more than they need to know how to do the one move.
1: Yeah, very much so. And again, I'll go back to your son for a second because this is something that happens in jujitsu is you get really good at one move and you can just go back to the well and you can use it over and over and over. But just like in real estate, I can get really good at the one move and just saying let's price super aggressive, the market's super hot and we'll find the buyers and we'll sell it super quick. But is that serving the client to the best of my ability? So I had a shift a couple of years ago where I started doing AARs, so after action reports on every sale that I did. So I have a little Google form set up, and it automatically comes to me when I process a sale, three simple questions. What did I do well? What did I do poorly? And then what could I improve on? And that actually pumps it out to a spreadsheet. So then I can actually, after I do 30, 40, 50, 60 sales, and I do the AARs, and doing the AARs is the hard thing, taking five minutes because everybody's busy, I can scroll down the spreadsheet, and I can see what what did I do well, what did I do well, what did I do well, what did I do poorly? And I have a data set of consistencies. What I noticed looking at my sales versus my competitor sales and where I was adding value was my mail and name should be there's no way he's gonna sell it for that. Because so often I'd list a property and tell people would tell me it's overpriced, and I'd be like, Okay, no worries. Like I, I believe that I can sell this for this property or this property for that price because of the market. And my marketing is different. We're very different at how we approach marketing. It's Apples and pineapples. I I firmly believe there's not another broker on the planet that can compare with with what we're doing in that space, but that's because I'm involved in it. I made the sauce and I can really kind of speak to it. So what I wasn't doing well was communicating that to my clients because clients do think agents are just compared, like they're all created equal, right? doesn't matter who you hire, the market's going to kind of set the price. I'm like, it really doesn't. Because if you look at our transactions, I'm like, I just did a sale where they hired the five famous brokers to come in and, and pitch for the listing. I got the listing because the guy's in marketing and I'm, I told them what we do. And he's like, that's fascinating. He's like, let's try I listed it technically 200 grand higher than anybody else told him it was worth. I sold it for 185,000 more than anybody else told him it was worth. Cause I found the one person that appreciated everything about that house and the uniqueness of the, the setting. It had a pool and like a conservation area. They got a special permit for it, retaining wall. Very unique. But I'm like, there's a comparison where I'm like, you could take me or those five other agents, I could probably charge double what they're charging and still have made you more money. So when I realized me being a market maker is a new thing, now over the last two years, what I've put a lot of focus on is is how do I vocalize that without it sounding salesy? Because again, you see an agent, you're like, I'm going to tell you whatever you need to hear to get signed on your lawn. When in reality, I've really shifted my business where I say no to a ton of business. Because I have a very specific client avatar that I want to work with. And here's the other way that I did it. For anybody else watching, if you go back to your last hundred clients and make a list of those deals, I want you to write down the names of the people that you loved working with. The people that you're like, I can't believe I got paid to do this. Sorry, just cut out for a second. The people on that list that you're like, I can't believe I got paid to do this job. I would have done it for free, but thankfully I get paid to do this. Then I want you to make a list of the people that you never want to work with again. And you may have done a job with them that, you know, resulted in a lot of income, but the conversations didn't feel good. They were disrespectful. They didn't value you. They didn't see beyond their own pockets. And, you know, sometimes if you're one of those people that kind of falls in that category, those are the people you should be working with. And that's cool. You can take them because I don't want them. But if you want the people that are going to value you and you're going to go hang out with, you're going to go to the park, you're going to do business with, and you're just working with because they know that you're an expert in that field. The more you pour into that, the more you grow. So to answer your question concisely, it was two things. It was looking at what makes me different and then going all in on that. And then two is really digging into who do I actually want to work with and saying no to a lot of transactions to kind of get me there.
0: Yeah. And I think that second part is really hard, especially when you're in the onset of of growth and you're still trying to maneuver your way through that. But I think it's, it's a component of intuitive branding and intuitive uh, teaching and serving in the knowing you, you kind of know, you know, on the intro call, you know, when you first meet them, you're like, eh, something rubs me wrong. Sure. And yet there's that component of, but I have a team to pay, but I have these other yeah. responsibilities. And so I'm going to take this, but What happened for me, and I can think exactly to the people that you're having us process right now. I'm like, yeah, I know what they look like, I know what they sound like, know where they live, know all the things on both sides of the picture. And I'm grateful for both because I've learned so much, I've grown so much. And I found myself consistently saying yes to the wrong, and it was actually detracting from my energy versus the person who I get to work with it feels like fun, it feels like play. That's that component of jujitsu where it sure? it feels like, oh, this is what I get to do for a living. And then I am so much more mobilized to go do it again and do it again and do it again versus Why did I sign up for this? This is a terrible idea. I want to change my entire business plan. This is not serving anyone to the capacity that I know I'm capable of. Um, And so I think it's a really good conversation for people to ask. And those specific three questions after every single experience, even every single sales call, whether it's a yes or no, I think if we processed and took the time to do those things and reflect more, we would actually have forward momentum faster than if we just keep going on autopilot.
1: And go back to what you said about your, you and your husband. So, like, I could go over this with Shannon and say, here are things that I think, but what are you thinking in an outside perspective? A key component of this conversation, though, is all of that, say, negativity that I've been through or any of the challenges to figure out who my ideal avatar is. It's all good. Like, standing in the fire is the best thing for you, right? Going through that, just like, you know, going through finding the right partner. You know all the things and the traits that don't speak to you and the person that's not right for you, and then you find the person that is right for you, and you're like, "How is this person on the planet for me?" Right? And you really do appreciate it. So I don't. I do think sometimes people that want the easy button and they just want to scale and grow and they just want to, whatever the monikers of success they're they're striving for, the ones that get it really easily never appreciate it. Just like riding a roller coaster, amazing thirty second ride, you feel a rush, feel great, you never remember that experience. You go for the rainiest, most miserable camping trip for a week. You'll be talking about it until you die. Like There's such a That's difference so between true. those two things. And jiu for your boy, and I'll tell this to anybody, the reason why I definitely think it helps young men so much is we need an outlet. We need to do hard things, and we everybody does, truthfully, women and men, so that we feel like we've pushed back against the world, right? Because then when something pushes on us, we have an inner resistance to that thing. I remember going to a very difficult negotiation after jujitsu class once. And I remember sitting in the meeting and the guy was just like, just very negative and just throwing jabs and everything else too. And, I, I literally in the middle of the conversation, I was, he's like, why are you so cheery? Like the wasn't going well, just in terms of how things are I'm like, cause I literally just had a guy trying to kill me. I'm like, you know, I'm getting choked nothing. by a guy that's a <laughs> professional fighter. I'm like, if this is the worst thing that's going to happen to me today, I'm going to be okay. And he laughed. And like, we were kind of jovial a bit after that, but that's the truth of it. Right. If your boy goes and does a class and then something bad happens to him throughout the day, There's just not that same disconnect, right? Because the human element and the human condition is much more challenging than anybody's going to have in business. And I think sometimes people become obsessive about somebody that said a negative comment on their Instagram or somebody didn't like their posts or they're not growing. Like, really? Well, if you think about the challenges people are having overseas, I mean, people can't have water and you hear terrible things happening in the news. I think the world needs a little bit of perspective.
0: Yeah, I think that's truly the word. That was what I, on the top of my tongue was just perspective of, of everything. Um, and I feel like that's why when I think through having an element of joy and an element of play and entrepreneurship, which is not what people think about, has been such a fun positioning side for me. they are like, you're always laughing. You're always traveling. You're always doing yeah. something. I'm like, yeah, because you get one shot, people. You get yep. one opportunity. And I've done it where I was in that supersonic This is the only thing that matters. It was all finance driven. It was all greed driven. I didn't even know what I was going to do with the money when I got the money. I was talking through. It's actually um, Brielle Ritchie in Clubhouse shared this financial strategy that I've put out into my coaching community. And it was like basically in nine days, you're going to be gifted um, a million dollars. And it's going to come in these different increments. Every single day, it's going to double. And every single day you have to spend 100% of that money. I remember.
1: Yeah, I was there. I did that. Yeah. Oh
0: my gosh. I was doing it while I was driving, not safe, but story of my life. And I was processing this and every single day you have to spend 100%. You can't save any of it and you cannot um, put anything towards debt until it's 100% paid off. And I couldn't get past day six. Hmm. And so I'm like, Interesting. Well, after everybody was sharing what they were doing with their money, I'm like, oh, yeah, that would have been a good idea. Oh, yeah, I could do that, too. Oh, yeah, that's this really great. So I decided to put it into my coaching community, had a bunch of people do it. Not one person, Justin, could get through a million dollars. Wow. Yet everyone wants to be a millionaire. Sure. And so how is God going to gift you or bless you in that realm of finances if you can't even steward 200 grand correctly? And so it just, it's since that day, I've constantly gone back to, let me practice this again. Let me make sure it's done well. Let me make sure it's stewarded well. And that's just a nine day like realm and people want millions of followers. Can you steward the one follower really, really well before you get the millions and blow it? The most powerful thing you can do to unlock your greatness and step into your next level of abundance is to get in the room with others who have been where you want to be and perhaps are going where you want to go. But oftentimes, we can put ourselves in the wrong room based on exterior vantage points, what they wear, where they go, what they do, when we know in our heart of hearts that we should be following people, standing along people who are aligned in true wealth. Stop feeling alone in the journey of growth as a business leader and an entrepreneur who loves God. Stop struggling to find the right answer when it's already been written. Stop giving up on the desires of your heart when God placed them there with intention. Stop standing in this lack mentality when your prosperity is critical for all of us in the kingdom. Come, find a seat at the table at the most impactful faith-driven business conference you will ever experience. Alongside ministry-driven marketplace leaders, you will evolve, unlock, and activate your next level. That just sounded like a video game. This is not the meta, okay? This is your IRL, your in-real-life chance to be in the room with some of the greatest kingdom entrepreneurs of our time. Founders, innovators, trailblazers who are God-centered are coming together to grow their business for God's sake. And that's an inside-out job. You will leave this three-day intensive with action plans, new income strategies, fresh mentalities towards business and life integration, and a sense of freedom that will have others magnetized to what you are selling by the way you freshly and uniquely serve. It's happening on November 4th through the 6th, 2022 in Nashville, Tennessee, with a highlight VIP event on November 3rd. There are seats at the table for you, but they will go fast. It's a limited reservation, so get your tickets now at growforgod.com. Again, that's growforgod.com. I cannot wait to hug your neck. I cannot wait to see you there in person. I cannot wait for this energetic room to just light up the world because that's what we're going to do when we leave this conference, but you got to be in the room. IRL, let's go.
1: I would argue as well that we're going into an age where it's almost better to not have a platform that is as big as some people have so that you can really connect deeply with the audience that you have. And there's a path that I'm going down right now with all of our content where we're hyper segmenting everybody that's in all of our different areas of our business, right? Because truthfully, there's prime real estate, which is the actual, the Nike brand of real estate and the platform that the people here work within. There's Justin Conical. I'm in production. I have a very concise area that I work in. There's Prime Media Productions, and there's those guys that work there and run that organization as well, too. And I'm like, there's different people now that are starting to come to me from, say, Clubhouse and these other places looking for our assets or follow-ups from the, phone, uh, the talks that I've given. So I'm like, okay, now we've got to create PDFs just so that I don't have to deal with a thousand phone calls of, like, breaking it down and <laughs> totally. what that looks like. But I don't want to take all of those databases and then just spam them with stuff because I lose their trust. Right. And it's very interesting because um, Seth Godin said this on Breakfast with Champions. Social media has been exposed as fake. The consumers are starting to understand. I'm excited because I've been doing this for 10 years. I'm at 756 videos. Of just letting people know the bad stuff that happens in real estate. I tell them cases where agents get fined. I sit on professional standards boards. I read out clauses. I'm like, just don't get taken advantage of. I don't care if you work with me or not, but I've constantly been trying to pull the curtain back because there's so many shady tactics happening in our business. Now I do feel like the information is so prevalent and the gatekeepers aren't there anymore, or they just can't possibly cover all the gates that, the world is starting to be hyper-connected in a great way. It's going to take a lot of effort. You have to value the relationships and make sure you're speaking to people the way they want to be spoken to. But I feel like you know it's like a field, a green field has opened up in front of us, and it's what are you going to do with those relationships and how are you going to cross that field? If, if it's all about you, I think you're going to be left in the dust. I think if you're really about building a community, you and I may do this. We may not talk for six months, but if you come back and it's still like this, then we're really, really friends, right? Like those friends you've had for 25 years that don't call you, but they're still your friends. Those are your friends. The friends that are only your friends when they're putting you on their fit and faith podcast, which thank you for that. (laughs) But you know, you come back to me and and I don't give you something. There's a reciprocation need or something. We're not really friends. Right. And I think the world and, and media is really exposing people as, are you really who you say you are? And I think social audio apps have done the best job at really shaking out people that you can only fake it so long, especially on so social audio. So true.
0: So true. And I'm grateful for that transition. Um, it's interesting, though. I've been on on both sides, right? Like uh, three years ago, when I went to go pitch the book that I now have, that I ended up self-publishing, I was pitching to publishers and agents and... They kept telling me the one thing, the entire conference to 800 women, right, from all over the country, your platform's not big enough. Your platform's not big enough. Your platform, not your idea isn't good, not your story doesn't matter, not all of these pieces that are actually what's going to propel them into doing it. I would be so curious to find the stats on who actually published from that. Regardless of if they got a publication or an agency opportunity, I just kept going and eventually was like, I'll just do this myself. And it's been wildly successful. It's served and and success to me is changing the life of somebody who is now able to stand in confidence and authority based on my story. So that's one side, your platform's not big enough. Now I have a platform. And if I was to go to a publication and say, Hey, will you publish this book? They probably would say yes. However, I don't want them to have the reins. You don't on
1: that. need them. Don't you don't need, need that, them anymore. Right? right. So
0: now it's like, well, there's a two sides to every story, but also is the understanding that I was at an investor opportunity at a lunch the other day. And the person said I woke up this morning and I knew I was meeting with you. They don't know me and my husband from Adam, but the the meeting was just coordinated from a mutual friend. And he said, I got on social media. Not on my website. He got on social media and he started scrolling. He's like, wow, she's really consistent. And he's like, how long has she been consistent? So then he's going back and he's going back and he's going back to three years ago when someone told me my platform wasn't big enough. And I started putting in the work. I started training right from the jiu-jitsu lens. I started doing the same thing every sure. day. And yeah. now I don't have to do that every single day. I don't have to show up there every single day. Now, do I? Yeah, generally, but not because I am like um, hooked into that experience, but more so now it's just an additional value to the people that are now a part of that community. So I think and the important factor for people to understand is that you don't have to have 20,000 people to serve one person really well. But if you're consistent in your media, in your brand representation, in your messaging, over that duplicated time frame, the no like, and trust grows, that then they, when they do have an opportunity to sit in front of you, they're like, oh, wow, this person has done the hard work to get to this point, not coming out of the dark shadows of the corner of the night and saying like, hey, you can trust me as your business coach and I've never started a business, right? Mm-hmm.
1: You, you see it every day online too, right? And you can usually smell it, just like we're talking about when you're, you're doing an intake call or you're working with clients. If they're not the right people, you can usually tell if you if you can't, you just got to put in more reps and you'll figure it out. You said something very important when you were talking about the publishers. It's the way that I look at partnerships here. I Literally every agent here could quit tomorrow and I'm just fine. I, I'm not reliant on them. My entire admin staff, they can quit tomorrow. I know how to do every one of their jobs just fine. I'm, I'm not concerned about it. I'm okay without them. They're probably okay without me. Just like you're probably fine without me. I'm probably fine without you. But when we come together, are we better together than we are apart? If the answer is yes, amazing. But if you feel like a publisher is, it is very one-sided now that you have a platform, they want you know, to tap into that platform and increase their exposure. Well, self-publishing is a thing. And I would actually argue again, going back to Seth Godin, when he started marketing, it was his blog publishers, everybody turned him down. And then his platform now is insanely massive because people were there for for the ride. Now let's go to Instagram. Let's give your audience some tactile advice on how to grow on those platforms, right? Imagine you had 300 people that would show up for you once a week to hear what you had to say. Imagine they just showed up in front of your house. There's 300 people there. What would that feel like? You'd be like,
0: (laughs) I'd be awesome. "Uh,
1: Hey guys. And like maybe some of them are paying attention. Maybe some of them are walking away, but there's still 300 people, right? The way that I've grown my platforms is exactly like you. And I love to you say that because this is the answer, folks. It's not 10,000 people in one day. It's one person a day for 10,000 days. And it's going in and engaging with the people. Something I did this morning off Breakfast with Champions, never done it before. I was standing on an little elliptical and I forget who said it. Somebody said, send five gratitude messages, like text messages. I'm like, well, Instagram has an algorithm. If I send it on Instagram, then I'm going to pop up in their feed. So I'm just going to use Instagram because it, it'd be fun. I'm still going to pick Smart. people I love. I'm going to send it. real messages, right? <laughs> okay. What I did though, anybody can do this. Go on, your, yeah. go on your Instagram, go on your story bubbles, and then just tap a face. Yeah. And maybe that's a person you're going to send a message to. Maybe not. I scrolled past a lot of faces because I wanted genuine engagements. I saw Lindsay Gowen works for me. Incredible real estate agent. She's not really an agent either. She's a designer, investor. She runs some women empowerment rooms. I'll get her connected with you. Phenomenal. Yeah, she
0: sounds amazing.
1: Send message. Hey, Lindsay, I just wanted to let you know how awesome it's been to watch you grow. Like in three years, this girl has created unlimited freedom in her life. She owns a portfolio of properties. She's doing design consultations every day. She runs podcasts. She just spoke nationally in Alberta. This is a girl that was scared to speak two years ago. I just called her on stage. and like, tell your story. And she did it, right? Then I I went on and on, five people, five messages, genuinely something I loved about them or some token of appreciation. Took me all of a minute and 90 seconds. I got responses from every single one of them. And I probably have some responses now I haven't gotten back to. That, That took me a minute and 90 seconds. Now, if I do that every single day for, call it six days a week, because I I take Sundays off, screen-free Sundays, no devices, no nothing. I think that's super important for me.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: And 365 days a year. Mm -hmm. Do you not think that there's going to be some type of growth? Do you not think that the algorithm is going to feed them my content and feed me their content? You know what else I did today? I went into my account and I realized I'm following like 3,700 people. And I'm like, I, usually because I just want to be nice and follow everybody back. But Instagram has a really cool feature now. I don't know if you saw it. If you click the people you're following, it says, these are the 50 people that you engage with Lisa online. And I went down the list and I unfollowed like 47 of them because I just no engagement, no, yeah, no relationship good. with them. There's some that I left because I follow them and maybe they don't know who I am. But I do think that there's going to be some synergy there in the future. But in today, I committed to 50 a day. If you go over 50, I think Instagram like bans your account or something. Yeah, they do. I'm like,
0: be careful. (laughs) That happened to me.
1: (laughs) But I'm going to do 50 a day for the next couple months. And I'm going to take my follower count down to, Mm -hmm. I want to be under 2000, right? So again, you did the work and I want to give people tools to do the work. So go out there, go engage with your actual community and make sure you honor the relationships. Because if you're doing it just for the clout, they will smell it on you. You will lose your trust and their trust and you'll never get it back.
0: A hundred percent. It's interesting. I had, I was doing this meditation at a mastermind recently and uh, it was with Jenna Phillips Ballard. I don't know if you're familiar with her at all. Um, she's bad to the bone. I was a little intimidated to be honest <laughs> yet. She was just unlocking. She was like prophetically speaking over people just like on the spot. It was so mm-hmm. wild, but she had us go through this meditation and she wanted us to sit with the person that was us five years from now, which five years, like blink and that's going to go by. Like I can sure. think five years so clearly back five years ago. And she wanted us to sit there and she wanted us to like picture where they were living and what they were doing and how they were walking and everything about this person. That is me. And it was like this most magical experience only five years from now. And then she wanted us to probe that person with two questions. They were not questions that she was going to tell us to ask. She wanted us to conceptualize. What do you want to ask this person? What do you want to ask her? What do you want to ask yourself? What do you want to ask yourself, Justin? And the first question that came to mind was, how does it feel? I didn't mm-hmm. ask her like anything granular, just how does it feel? And I already knew the answer to this because I could see how she felt. I got the answer. And then she wanted us to ask another question. And the next question that she asked, I asked was, how did you do it? Right. And in five mm-hmm. years, she's, she's changed this entire thing. And she hadn't really probed us with much else other than you're meeting the person five years from now. And sure. I, that one question I say, I, cause it was me responding was one conversation at a time was her answer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, holy cow, what a revelation to recognize that it's not about the doing. It's about the being and actually just conversating like we are right now in this moment, that that is what leads you to the momentum. That is what leads you to the growth. That is what leads you to the service of the mission that God has you on. And so my now passion and my now like thought pattern every single time that I wake up is What can I do today? What conversations do I get to have today that are going to be so powerful and impactful moving forward? One conversation at a time.
1: Yeah, it's very powerful to think about that. I mean, Ryan told me the same thing. He's like, you know, I'm working for the guy that's 10 years from now looking back and like, hey man, why didn't you do what you said you were going to do? And what does that look like? I think your conversation around one conversation at a time also makes me think of actively listening while you're having those conversations right because people are so tied up in doing what they're doing for their own achievements that they're not actually listening to what the other person's saying to them and i I find like you lose a lot of human connection and trust when the other person feels like okay you're just here to talk at me you don't like i could be interchangeable with a hundred other people right now there's no real relationship development here And i think being cognizant of that and honoring the conversations is what really stands out for people. And they'll show up at your funeral if they feel like you actually care about them. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and I think another piece to that puzzle is like the recognition that we're all always on stage. Nowadays, everything that you do is on stage, whether you're having coffee with someone, you're on a stage. So everyone wants to get to that, that million dollar mindset. They want to get to that million dollar bank account. They want to get to the stage with millions in front of them And if we could just focus on the impact, it's like almost having that Abraham anointing Or um, trying to think of all the other people, even um, the Pharaoh's daughter who chose and plucked Moses out of the river. She didn't know all of the people that were going to be impacted by that one that she poured into at that time. And so the recognition, no different than da Vinci, no different than Van Gogh, no different than any other artist. They didn't know the impact that generations to come that they would have simply by being present in that moment with that one who could be the one who impacts the millions.
1: You have no idea. My eyes darted off the screen, not that I wasn't being present. I just, for some reason, my internet is jumpy. So let me know if there's any issues on your end. You know, you may really made me think about even what I've been saying lately, right? I talked about the age of the celebrity agent, like in my content, I'm saying over and over, I don't want to be famous. I don't even think I'm in a position where I'm supposed to be somebody that is that person, right? I don't think God put me in, in the world for that. I, I love ideating like what I did with Stephen Kuhn this morning was probably my favorite thing to do like hot seat throw problems at me I'll give you a million cool. thoughts and solutions I could be right I could be wrong I don't think I'm the smartest guy on the planet but just because of my experience I've done almost every job on the planet I, I've worked every job literally DJ bouncer bar back worked for a fish <laughs> yeah. market I worked in delis I did landscaping I worked in auto shops like I can speak to a lot of different types of people. And the interesting thing is now I'm in a space where sales and marketing are at the forefront of my business, sales, marketing, and I guess operations. And yeah. th- that translates to everybody's business. So if somebody trying to start a really cool, like custom shoe company, or maybe you own a restaurant, or maybe you have a speaking company, all of the same principles apply. I can boil yeah. it down fairly simply. I'm like, I think that's what he put me here for is really the service portion of you know hearing a problem somebody has and either being able to offer a solution or the other side of the fence is what i said to you before we started recording i randomly stumble into places where i just meet people i have no context to who they are we become buddies um, because i don't want anything from them because i'm not coming at them like oh you're famous let's be friends yeah yeah we just become friends and then they happen to be very well connected i can connect people with people that I probably have no business knowing and I probably have no dog in the fight. There's no collaboration. I'm not getting an equity stake in the business or anything like that, but identifying problems and connecting people happens to be where I think my path is somehow leading me. Right. So I think everybody needs to ask themselves that like, do you want the million followers? Because you think that's the solution to your problems, reverse engineer, listen to Tamara about what she said of like, when you get the million, what are you going to do with it? Maybe the money isn't what you're actually striving for. Maybe it's community impact. Maybe it's, setting a new bar in your industry and, and the challenge that you're actually looking for. Well, then now your energy deployment changes from just building your follower count to building intense impact in those individual engagements, which is as if not more valuable than the followers, but the world is telling us the oh. followers matter. Stop listening to the world.
0: 100%. And I think that that's where there's just been that issue, right? And it's continued to compound to the point that I was having um, a conversation with Brian Hess, who we also know from Breakfast of Champions, and he had Charlie Rocket on his show on the Perspective Podcast recently, listening to this guy who's a, like, he's in his young 30s, And his whole mission is around instilling the lens and the ability of philanthropy in the next generation Mm -hmm. and realizing that it's not about making money. It's about making impact. We hear this, but who's actually doing it. And he's impacting people in such a massive way that I'm blown away by. And I think that if we scaled back from the money, I understand resources. I think it's magnificent for people, good people to have great amounts of money. I talked about the PJ earlier, Mm -hmm. but what's the point? What are you actually going to do with it when you have it? And so I really love the way that you show up in the world. I always have since first knowing you on social audio. And it's been so fun to spend time with you. I feel like the one thing we didn't really get to have a conversation about is like why or how or where or when, like I want to know Justin's backstory and I get to hear it on clubhouse, but we're going to have to bring you back on to share with the community at some point for sure, because I don't think good humans are just Born, I think that they're raised. And so I would love to know who had a hand in your creation uh, beyond, of course, God. (laughs) I
1: was going to say, well, that's the answer. I'm like, because he told me I can, right? And he made me. So. that's, that's the main reason why, but we can dig into that some other time for sure.
0: So good. It's been such a gift having you, Justin. Thank you. Are there any final ways, um, one that you want to say to the community, but then finally for them to get in touch with you, all of your links of course are here and I would love for them to get in touch with you at your website or podcast or any of the above.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I said, if anybody wants to connect with me directly, I'm a pretty open book. I do answer all my messages myself on Instagram. So at I've Like I said in the episode, I put a lot of effort into just centralizing everything else. The the two platforms that I'm really putting all my resources on are YouTube and then justinconico.com. That's where I have like my PDFs and all the stuff in my crazy brain. My graphic designer creates these action guides and I just pump them out. I'm not selling anything. I don't have any courses, no interest in doing that. My wife will kill me if I launch (laughs) any type of business like that. But if I can help even one person, who knows the impact that that person is going to have in the world. So I appreciate you for having me on and everything you do.
0: So good. such a great show. Thank you so much, Justin.
1: Okay. Thanks, Tamara.
0: See you guys. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway by snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at Faith underscore podcast or me personally at tamra.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the fit and faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know, I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.